0: Welcome to Beer Me A Movie. I'm Dave Michaels. I'm Brian Betts. And this is a show where we arbitrarily score a movie based on a scoring system that has been so scientifically calculated (laughs) throughout the years that like, you know, Marie Curie, she died long, long ago, but her casket has like three inches of lead around it because she's still super radioactive from all the science that she did. Yeah, I know that song. I'm going to be buried along with all of our arbitrary scoring because of science.
1: (laughs) Look, we've put five years into this arbitrary scoring system or something like that, just really whittling it down and never changing it. So we just have to believe that it works at this
0: point. But the thing is that it does work. For the most part, it does work. Whenever we fanboy really hard, it doesn't work. (laughs)
1: Like last week?
0: Oops. (laughs) But for the most part, it works. And whenever the arbitrary score lines up with the Rotten Tomatoes, critical score or audience score, we got to finish our drink. And you should do a
1: drinky drink. Yeah. You know what? If you pull over, it's not technically drinking and driving.
0: That's right. So if you're going to have to slam it back, (laughs) pop over into that shoulder, as the world calls it, the drinking lane. (laughs) Uh,
1: Never take any of our advice.
0: Nope. Not a doctor.
1: Not a doctor. I'd be worried if a doctor told you when it was like you were allowed to drink.
0: Brian, this week was your pick. Why don't you tell everybody what you have White Russian dust?
1: <laughs> I have sniped right from under your nose, The Big
0: Lebowski, a movie that we have probably quoted more than
1: most other movies on this podcast at
0: this point. It's true, and it's probably the movie I've seen like the least. I have seen this since I claim to have seen it the first time, because the first time I saw it was after I broke my hand. I was somewhere in high school, and I rented it along with Schindler's List. Pulled my eyes out in the first minute of Schindler's List if I talked about in the past. And this, I just did not remember. I think I've seen it somewhere in between then and now, because some things were clicking here.
1: Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's also one of those movies that was just a staple on Comedy Central for, like, a decade. So Exactly.
0: You want to dive right into this thing? Let's score this bitch.
1: Yeah, let's score this bitch. We'll get right into our AI producer's summary of this movie.
0: I'm actually a little bit scared on this one.
1: Let's see what Ryder McStrikely put together for us. How's he doing? He's been getting progressively worse. I think <laughs> I think we might need to discipline him a little bit. We the, trained
0: uh... him a little too hard.
1: <laughs> he might need some, some readjusting over uh, the next week or so.
0: You're making it sound like he's almost like your synopsis gimp.
1: What's the internet version of just being tied up in my basement? Nailed it. He's in a suspended tab until I need him every week, you know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. I just like to picture him like just all leather, ball gag in his mouth, just rawr, rawr, until Brian releases the ball gag, and then it's just synopsis all over the You know the
1: what? Place. <laughs> While I retrain him this week, I'll be sure to include your visual depiction of him.
0: I think that's a good idea.
1: That way he, he knows. I usually greet him very nicely. Like, how do you write him? Strangely, you're ready to get into it this week? It's a whole thing.
0: You can't do that, though, because then you give him the
1: power. It's true. I should just be like, listen, bitch, this is what we're talking about. <laughs> Summarize it for me.
0: Listen, you computer fuck. And then just you get nuked on the spot. Your poor apartment is now gone because it got That's blown up by an AI synopsis writing robot.
1: I've been too nice to him, and now he's just taking advantage of the situation. <laughs> Let's get into it.
0: In the smog,
1: choked haze of 1990 Los Angeles, or Los Angeles, depending on who you might be. There's a man named Jeffrey Lebowski, but you'd know him better as The Dude.
0: I feel like you need to Sam Elliott this thing, because your I? voice is not working for me today.
1: It does seem like that's what Writer Mixed Directly wanted here, so.
0: In the smog-choked haze of 1990, Los Angeles.
1: There's a man named Jeffrey Lebowski. There's a Jeffrey man Lebowski.
0: Named Jeffrey Lebowski, but you know him <laughs> as... The dude. The dude. I like how he drags out the dude. So many yous.
1: That's not a name someone from around my parts would like to be called, but <laughs> this here guy, well, he's the dude. Portrayed, of course, by Jeff fucking Bridges. Oh, yeah. So the one and only. A guy whose main hobbies include bowling, wearing bathrobes, and not getting involved in anything that remotely resembles effort. My hero. So how does the dude end up in a mess that's more tangled than a slinky in a hurricane? What the hell is that? It starts with a case of mistaken identity. See, a couple of muscle-bound boneheads think the dude is a wealthy Lebowski who owes them money. Things get messy, literally, when one of these thugs mistakes the dude's rug for a toilet. Yeah, not cool.
0: The dude comes home from the grocery store where he writes a check for 69 cents that's also dated one year from when this movie takes place. So he might be a little strapped for cash.
1: A 69 cent check, which I believe is not legal. I think it has to be a full dollar amount at least.
0: Just give the man his half and half, all right? And just let him go on his way. He's not bothering anyone.
1: Weirdly enough, dated for 9-11 while George H.W. Bush is giving a speech. So the Big Lebowski
0: predicted 9-11?
1: Predicted Executed, who knows? Oh, wow. <laughs> Look, all I'm saying is that Walter was 100% somewhere on January
0: 6th. 100%, he absolutely was. He's was based on John Milius, <laughs> the very oh. famous filmmaker and buddy of like George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, all those guys. And he has very, very hard right thinkings. Uh, yes. They pretty much based exactly what John Goodman looks like in this movie off of John Milius. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, do what you will with that info. Yeah. Take that to the bank. Dude's going to piss on the dude's rug. Not the dude. Not a cool. dude. A different dude. A different piss dude. On our dude's rug. Not the titular,
1: well, not titular dude, because that's a different dude. We'll get there? I guess so.
0: Either way, that rug really pulled the whole room together.
1: It really did. Fuming like a tea kettle, the dude sets out for compensation from the actual Rich Lebowski, played by David fucking Huddleston. Another man just named Jeffrey Lebowski, but a man who's not just wealthy, but also wheelchair-bound and about as warm as a polar bear's toenails.
0: I don't know why, but when you said he's not just wealthy, but also wheelchair-bound, I thought you were going to say, he's also wheelchair-bound wealthy. And I was going to question what that meant. (laughs) What does that mean? I don't know. (laughs) He's wealthy not just in money,
1: but in wheels on his chairs.
0: He's so wealthy He could choose not to use his legs anymore, although I don't think that's the reason why he's in that. Probably not.
1: The dude's rug request is met with as much enthusiasm as a cat meeting a bath.
0: Unless it's Constantine, in which case you're going straight to hell.
1: (laughs) Right to hell. (laughs) (laughs) He leaves, but not without liberating a rug from the Lebowski mansion. Hey, a dude's got to abide in comfort, right?
0: He goes up to Philip Seymour Hoffman. He says, yeah, he said I could take any rug in the house. And then he just takes a rug.
1: I mean, that's the way to do it. When somebody says no, but that somebody has a go between, you tell the
0: go between that he said yes. No one's ever been hurt by lying before.
1: As far as I know. What really irks me is in this scene when the big Lebowski, the rich Lebowski.
0: Richard Lebowski, yeah.
1: He's like, oh, every time somebody pees on a rug, I have to replace it? It's, well, when it was supposed to be your rug that was peed on, yeah, I think so. He's not wrong
0: there with that argument.
1: Refuses to take responsibility.
0: He sure does, but you don't get rich by replacing people's piss rugs. That's true. I
1: mean, that'd be a hell of a business model. <laughs> it would be.
0: Has your rug been pissed on by a gangster? Come on down to Lebowski's House of Rugs! In the dude's corner
1: of calm, amidst the chaos
0: is his bowling buddy,
1: Walter Sobchak, played by John fucking Goodman. He's a Vietnam vet whose fuse is shorter than a flea on a hot skillet.
0: What are all these animal analogies that he's trying to force? I have no idea.
1: So many analogies. I think that's what writer McStrike Lee thinks is our tone. Our shtick? Our shtick. We just do really bad metaphors and similes.
0: I don't think we've ever done a metaphor or a simile.
1: Until this guy came along and started writing
0: our synopses for us. No. (laughs) Maybe that's like, what's missing? Maybe that's what he's trying to force in there. He's like, what no one's going to get these fellas over the edge? Metaphors (laughs) and similes about insects and animals. Yeah, I know how to make a successful podcast, see? (laughs) These boys are going to make the big time, and I'm going to help them. They're going to be hotter than a cat on a hot tin plate.
1: You nailed it. That's exactly how he does it. Drink every time that.
0: Oh no 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 no! Writer no, McStrickley no.
1: makes a an animal pun or reference or simile.
0: Yeah, all right. <laughs> I hate that's it, that's but... a
1: dangerous game.
0: Yeah, I'm in. All it's right. the most dangerous game. He's hunting human. There it wait is.
1: Till, wait till the next sentence. Oh no! When Lebowski rubs the dude into a crazy kidnapping plot involving his young wife Bunny, played by Tara Reed, and a million dollar ransom. Walter smells trouble faster than a bloodhound on a, a bacon bitch. trail.
0: Like leaning into the mic, sure really Everyone different. knows I'm I'm doing it. I'm playing along. <laughs> We're doing the thing.
1: But of course, he dives in headfirst, scheming to snag the ransom cash for themselves.
0: He doesn't so much dive in. The dude Walter's all about. It's hey, all about I have a well, plan. Yeah. Here's my dirty undies, and uh, let's just take that cash and run.
1: The ringer. You got to throw the ringer out the window instead of the
0: real one. They apparently couldn't throw the ringer out the window while filming <laughs> no. this thing. And they had to shoot it in reverse.
1: You'd never know that if you didn't learn it on the internet. There's a lot I've learned on the internet. You want
0: to hear some things I learned on the internet just in general? Well,
1: sure, let's hear.
0: Dogs can't look up.
1: I have heard that on the internet.
0: Moms and Sons, super popular in a very specific uh, niche genre.
1: Only if you add step. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> to one of them. It doesn't have to be. Well, I guess they would both technically be steps.
0: I love how in porn they just have no shame about it because, you know, they're not right. No, you know they're not. not. But just the marketing of it.
1: Oh, no. My worldview shattered. They're not. <laughs> <laughs> Misrepresentation. I'm suing the horn pub. You're not even going to name drop it. The Horn Pub. That's where I go to watch my porn. Horn Pub? Yeah, the place where they play horn music. I just open up my <laughs> laptop, go to PornHub.com in the Horn Pub. A I whole don't know thing. Why I just
0: imagine, like, Miles Davis just fucking the bell of a trumpet.
1: I can't picture him any other way.
0: <laughs> I had something blue. I had to do it.
1: Oh. Well, that was a very blue joke, at least. Yes, it was. Enter Maude Lebowski played by julian fucking Moore, the daughter of the rich jeffrey lebowski and a woman who's as eccentric as a flamingo oh, in a snowstorm <laughs> i'm
0: realizing when i'm taking these sips it sounds like bong hits it's not it's, it's not. not christmas <laughs> cool, careful man we do have to start planning christmas uh We have promised a a very not sober episode yet again. We don't even know what movie we're doing yet, though. We haven't even talked about it. Not a clue. We haven't. We could do uh, Christmas Vacation. We've never done that one, right? I
1: I don't remember doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Maud's got a theory. Bunny faked her own kidnapping for the cash. It's a good theory. It's a working theory. theory. It's also a theory that Walter and the dude have. So it's good that there's multiple people with the same theory.
0: Right. And if a naked Julianne Moore is going to tell me that theory, I'm going to believe her. Over my Vietnam vet friend. Yeah. Not naked Vietnam vet friend.
1: You need to specify which which friends are naked and which ones aren't.
0: (laughs) I can't believe we're at that point of this movie.
1: Yep. Things just got weirder, like finding a pineapple in your mailbox. No animals there. We're good.
0: That's not that weird, though, because that's just how I met your mother. Do you get pineapples shipped to you often? No. I don't like pineapple, man. I'm not a fan. What? You know this. Wait a minute, though. You knew coconut I fucking hate.
1: I know you hate coconut. And I do not that know about you know that, like, pineapple. if
0: I ever became president, I would just eradicate pumpkins from the world. You're a monster. Because pumpkins are the grossest thing that humanity has ever produced.
1: Well, luckily, our lattes are not in danger because they are just pumpkin spice.
0: That's right. Which is They're bullshit, the spices
1: folks. you add to a pumpkin to make it palatable, like cinnamon and nutmeg.
0: It's all cinnamon. My wife got, like, this pumpkin ice cream. And I was scooping around a nice bowl, and I took a bite of it, because I was like, all right, maybe this won't suck. And guess what? It sucked.
1: I love cinnamon. I've been on record as a cinnamon aficionado. I'm literally in my girlfriend's phone as Cinnamon Slut. That is my name. (laughs) There is a story behind that, but I don't know if we need to get into it.
0: (laughs) No, pumpkin's gross, dude. Pumpkin's horrible. I have no problem saying this to anybody. I'll I'll look- jack fucking skeleton the pumpkin king dead in his big round eyes and say you represent bullshit sir and i'll be like i know that's why i was trying to get christmas town
1: coming from a man who hates coconut i mean I pineapple
0: and pineapple
1: coconut is understandable a lot of people hate coconut but pineapple that shit's delicious it's not i accept pumpkin as a
0: vessel for cinnamon pineapple is a ridiculous food i feel like i need you to elaborate <laughs> Look at the thing! It has the the, the pointies on the top they yeah. are just too, too pointy for leaves. I don't like that. I don't care for that at all. And then it's got the pointies going on the outside, and you can also like pull out the the pointies in order to get the fruit part of it and go. no I don't Nobody like that. does it
1: that way, though.
0: No, but that's the way you're supposed to do it,
1: is it? Yeah, apparently. According to oh, the internet, dogs can't look up, etc.
0: Exactly, moms and sons. Step. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry if I'm, like, blowing people's minds right now. I bet I'm not. I bet I'm not the only one who has these thoughts.
1: There's people out there that are just like, you're right. Pumpkin, coconut, pineapple, they all suck. What kind of fruit do you like, Dave?
0: Well, this is where me and you differ, because I do like bananas, and I like the fake bullshit banana flavor quite a bit, and you oh. know I like the fake grape flavor quite a bit, too. Oh, I hate fake I grape I know grape you do. But what's your favorite Gatorade there, Bri? Uh, cucumber lime. Which tastes like licking an asshole, the I'd imagine. best flavor. An asshole that's been wiped with a pineapple. The
1: most, most refreshing horrible. flavor of Gatorade, bar none.
0: They say it's cucumber lime, but they forget to mention that they just wrote the word lime. And that you're supposed to imagine the flavor of lime in it. Because <laughs> it's absolutely not there.
1: So you're saying your favorite fruit, not cucumber. <laughs> I love cucumbers. And also vegetable. Fruit,
0: <laughs> yes, exactly.
1: <laughs> Pineapples in your mailbox, not weird.
0: Fine. I don't want it, but fine. If you want to mail me a pineapple,
1: I will take it happily.
0: There you go, folks. Send them to Brian. All the pineapples you can find. Uh, Brian Betts, P.O. Box 963, New York City, New York State, 10108.
1: That is accurate. Send it that way. Send pineapples to that (laughs) P.O. Box. I will definitely receive them. As if things weren't bizarre enough, add a severed toe, German nihilist, because every story needs a touch of existential dread, and a rich pornographer named Jackie Treehorn. Not a good porn name. No, but he's just a producer.
0: That's fair, but still, name above the title, man. Gotta do something with it. Is it any worse than
1: Larry Flint?
0: No, but he was wheelchair rich. Wheelchair
1: <laughs> Yes. Throughout it all, the dude maintains his nonchalant attitude and his taste for white Russians. Because if you're going to be in the middle of a storm, might as well have a cocktail, right?
0: I don't know why. You just gave a look like you were going to pull out a white Russian. I just had that feeling. I wish,
1: I kind of wanted to be drinking white Russians through this whole episode, but I did not have the foresight to
0: shop. I did, and then I kept forgetting to do it. Ah, yeah. And that's just not me. It was one of those, like, that'd be a really fun idea. I'm going to drink white Russians just like the dude. I used to drink a lot of white Russians. I did, too, and I switched to black Russians because I just didn't need the cream part of it.
1: It is easier. It's a bit extra. As the kids say. <laughs> you get really full drinking white Russians. You could do like two and then you're like, uh, I think I need to switch to something else. But you can't yep. switch anything acidic because then your stomach just all night is bothering you.
0: I don't think I've ever had more than two in a sitting. So I I will believe you.
1: I've had a lot in one sitting and it was a mistake. Hold on to your bathrobes because amidst this topsy turvy trip, Bunny Lebowski strolls back home like she's returning from a spa weekend. Surprise, surprise, her vanishing act, just an elaborate ruse to dodge debts, classic bunny.
0: Remember Tara Reed? Vaguely. There was a moment in time that Tara <laughs> Reed was perfect for, and it was here.
1: I feel like you just did the opening monologues in this movie. It's like there's a man appropriate for his time, and that man is Tara Reed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> What's she known for? She would give you those doe eyes, and you'd feel it in your pants.
1: And then she'd offer to suck your dick for (laughs) $1,000 and do a Sharknado movie.
0: And make you blow on her toenails, just so we make sure we see the color.
1: Very important to the plot, who knows? It is weirdly important to the plot, yeah. It's not like a Tarantino foot shot. It
0: has meaning. I feel like in film school, they could teach a class on Tarantino foot shots.
1: Why do we all know that Quentin Tarantino has a foot fetish? Like, it's just something that is just widely known. It's never really been confirmed, publicly addressed, but everybody knows about it. Why is that?
0: It's because he leans in so hard. He has no shame about it. And that's that's why we all should live our lives. You should never kink shame
1: anyone. But it's so
0: easy. It is really easy to do, yeah.
1: That's just like a piece of national knowledge, though. Quentin Tarantino loves feet. We all know it.
0: There's favorite thing in the world, and that's not even up for debate.
1: It's like me and Cinnamon.
0: That's right, you cinnamon slut.
1: Hey, it's catching on. But wait, there's more. Jeffrey Lebowski wasn't just a grumpy old man. He was a mastermind crook trying to snatch charity funds under the cover of Bunny's kidnapping. Kidnapping, of course, in air quotes. He was going to keep the ransom money, all while making the dude the fall guy the nerve, right?
0: How can you make the dude the fall guy? He's so laid back. You can't even get him worked up in this, even though he's constantly worked up in this.
1: I want to know how Jeffrey Lebowski came up with this whole plan after meeting the dude for like 10 minutes. He's like, I got it. I know what we're doing.
0: He's a big fan of Blue's Clues. Oh, okay. He's sitting in his thinking chair all day. Think, think, think.
1: One day this John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt walks into my office and I'm like, hey, your name is my name too. I could probably (laughs) frame you for fraud or something.
0: That right there should have been a joke written in this movie because it was that good, Brian. I appreciate that.
1: Thank you. I didn't even have to use an AI or an animal or nothing for it. Nothing. Now picture this. German nihilists, angrier than hornets (laughs) who just got, (laughs) whose nest just got (sighs) kicked. Goddamn. They demand the ransom cash from the dude, Walter, and poor sweet Donnie, played by Steve fucking Buscemi.
0: I feel like the AI needs to be arrested for leaving Steve Buscemi out of this until now. Criminal. Absolutely
1: criminal. Ryder McStrikely, you're out of your element. Shut the fuck up, Ryder McStrikely. <laughs> I'm sending that message to Ryder McStrikely right now. I want to see what he says. Ryder McStrikely has responded, Well, that's a colorful response. If you need more abiding wisdom or perhaps a different flavor of storytelling, just let me know.
0: I'm more, I'm here to help, man. I like how he threw in abides and man. Well played, Ryder McStrike. Really you're, getting you're into forgiven. the spirit. <laughs> Well, that's just, like, your opinion, you cinnamon slut.
1: The German nihilists, who are led, of course, by Peter fucking Stormare, as Uli Kunkel, a.k.a. Carl Hungus from Log Jammin. Speaking of Constantine. Also Flea. Flea is in there. Yeah, he is. They demand the ransom cash from the dude Walter and poor sweet Donnie. But guess what? The dude sniffs their skin like a bloodhound on a bologna trail. Oh, Sweet
0: Jesus. We
1: already had a bloodhound on a bacon trail. No, bacon right tra- no, like, you are throwing lazy. Him
0: bologna. He is lazy. He's, well, he's abiding on dudism here, and I can approve that. Fine.
1: Dudism. We will get there.
0: Mm-hmm. We absolutely will.
1: Walter, with all the subtlety of a bulldozer, takes them on in a battle that's more epic than a Shakespearean drama,
0: but with more bowling balls. That's what everyone kept saying, is that Shakespeare is just missing a little ten pin.
1: That's all it really needs. A little more bowling in my Shakespeare, please.
0: You must hit thy seven split split, <laughs> and then you may have my heart. I'm not sure that was actually iambic pentameter, Dave. It felt pretty good, though. I felt the beat. We're good.
1: All right. Count it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll try to get Ryder McStrike to do some bowling Shakespeare at some point.
0: Bowling for Shakespeare?
1: Bowling for Shakespeare. Amidst the madness tragedy strikes. Donnie, the innocent third in this unholy trinity, kneels over from a heart kneels. Keels over from a heart attack. <laughs> Kneeling not so bad. Keeling always worse.
0: That would be so good if it, he actually did like kneel over from a heart attack and you just have Walter yelling, "Hey, you get off off your knee there, Donnie. The national anthem's playing." <laughs> there wasn't no time
1: for taking knees and nom, Donnie. If you take a knee and Nam, Donnie, you're going to end up like Lieutenant Dan. And no, he's not rich. <laughs> well, he was mistaken for the rich Lieutenant Dan.
0: That's right. That's a whole weird offshoot of the Forrest Gumpiverse.
1: <laughs> Forrest Gumpiverse. <laughs> the dude and Walter, they're left gaping like fish in the desert. Why? I don't know. It doesn't even make sense. It's a stark reminder that life's fragile, even in the midst of chaos and absurdity.
0: They picked a hell of a time to remind us of the fragility of life.
1: The tale ends with the dude and Walter, two warriors of weirdness, scattering Donnie's ashes. Of course, it's not without its hiccups, because why would anything in this story be straightforward? Dave, it's been a long time. I have an actual IMDb trivia Whoa! Hit me! This one was too good to pass up, um... When Walter and the dude are spreading Donnie's ashes, his remains are in a Folgers coffee can, but it has a lid from a Maxwell house can. Folgers were clear, Maxwell houses were blue.
0: Oh, shit, man!
1: We got a coffee can expert on IMDb.
0: Wow! Calling bullshit on this movie!
1: Yeah, you can't just go to Ralph's and pick up a Folgers can with a blue lid. What are you, crazy?
0: Get fucked, Coen Brothers! <laughs> <laughs>
1: we found the plot hole. As the ashes settle, you're left with a feeling in the grand tapestry of madness. The dude abides. He sure does. His laid back philosophy, like a beacon of chill in a world gone mad, carries on. As the stranger, Sam fucking Elliot, again, sin to be mentioning him this late.
0: He literally opens the movie.
1: He's the first thing you hear, and here we are, at the end, talking about him. That ever-wise cowboy narrator wraps up this whirlwind of wackiness. He suggests that the dude's zen-like approach to life endures. And maybe, just maybe, that's the biggest rug pull of all. Because in a world as nuts as this, sometimes all you can do is abide. And hey, that's not such a bad way to roll in a world that's one big, unpredictable bowling alley. Stay chill, man. Stay, dude. That was like creepily poetic. Where was that for the rest of it, Writer expect?
0: I don't know. Maybe all the the strikers like had a point. If they, they knew that this, <laughs> this synopsis is coming up, and they're like, "Life is just one big unpredictable bowling alley, isn't it?" Yeah, that's the biggest rug pull <sighs> of all. God, all right. I guess I'll go right. Ant Man, just diving into <laughs> Thanos' asshole again <laughs> or something.
1: Man, if this AI ever learns to stop making. Similes with animals. We're all out of jobs. <laughs>
0: That's right. <laughs> that right there's the big Lebowski from 998 directed by the fucking Cohen Brothers. Story motivation. I'm thinking it's a nine. It's a Raymond Chandler story. It's the big yes. sleep with a big old twist.
1: It's hard to follow at first, but once you once you get it, you're like, ah, this thing.
0: It is hard to follow, but it follows that slightly noir. Like nineteen forties, nineteen thirties, like crime drama where you keep diving deeper and deeper and deeper into this mystery, introducing new characters get as it wackier goes wackier and
1: wackier. Yeah,
0: so I think that they absolutely nailed this sort of adaptation in a way.
1: Yeah, it's like you take that film noir and you're like, well, what if it was just this lackadaisical stoner guy instead? And it it works. It absolutely works. Nine, and that's not a German nihilist saying no. That's the score. <laughs> Fantastic. It's a 10. It's an absolute 10. This cast is fucking bananas. We didn't even mention John Totoro as the Jesus.
0: We didn't have to. Everyone just felt it the entire time. Everyone got their balls licked. Everyone got their balls <laughs> polished this entire time. I love how the Cohen Brothers have such a deep bench of friends and collaborators that they were able to write every single part to one of their friends, except for Jeff Bridges. Right. Because they just wrote that part as the dude. And then when Jeff Bridges' name came up, they said, holy shit, that's perfect.
1: Yeah, that's exactly who it has to be. And even Jeff Bridges was like, wow, did you guys like know me in the 70s? This sounds just like me. There were other options, though, for uh, the big Lebowski, Jeffrey Lebowski, the rich one with the rich in wheels. There were a lot. There was Robert Duvall, Anthony Hopkins, Gene Hackman. They really wanted Marlon Brando because they just wanted him to read lines like, Real men cry too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, too distracting. Very
1: distracting. No, this David is. David Huddleston is, is a
0: phenomenal actor, but he's a bit of a chameleon sometimes, even yes. though he does steal the show often.
1: Sam Elliott, Jeff Bur John Goodman. I mean, this is stacked 10. 10. Got to be a 10. Protagonist, the dude.
0: The dude.
1: Not the titular Lebowski, but the one the story's about.
0: He is so cool and so laid back that there has been a religion formed around him. Yeah. Dudism.
1: Dudism, like a modern taoism. There are over 200,000 ordained dudist priests.
0: Uh that is uh 2001 as of today. Oh, okay. Because I got ordained. You got as ordained a dudist priest. Yes. <laughs> I love that. And I'll even b- post the certificate that I have. You said Do it, and then it does it. Oh, wow. There's nothing to it. Anyone could do it. But you got to abide. That's the difference.
1: Obviously. I believe in the tenets of Dudism, for sure.
0: Do you want to hear about some great dudes in history from (laughs) uh, Dudism.com?
1: Absolutely.
0: You have Lao Tzu. He's the creator of Taoism. Okay. Heraclitus. He's a Greek philosopher. Snoopy, Charlie Brown's dog. Snoopy is a great dude. Jeffrey Lebowski, the dude, there you go, he's the uber dude, as they call it. Quincy Jones, yes, that Quincy Jones. The Quincy Jones. (laughs) The Quincy Jones. Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence? It's a pretty good dude. The Buddha.
1: Great dude.
0: Just chill as fuck, really. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Okay, I can see it. Because it says, Jesus was born Jewish, but then he converted to Judaism after he realized that the Romans and the Pharisees were fucking fascists. (laughs) I love that today. Lots of people think he's the son of the guy who created the universe and that our life is in his hands, but probably he was just a dude who thought people should mellow out and stop getting so worked up about stuff. Sadly, few of his followers seem to actually realize that. Remember, not a literal connection. (laughs) That's amazing. A couple more. You got Jerry Garcia, Joni Mitchell, Mohandas Gandhi, Walt Whitman, Juliet Child. Yes, that one. Jeff Spicoli (laughs) and Kurt Vonnegut.
1: And newly ordained, while you were doing
0: that, me. There you go! 2002 ordained dudist priests. So many dudist priests. That's a 10. It's the fucking dude. It's the dude. Antagonist. Jeffrey Lebowski? The big Lebowski? The titular character? I guess? It's hard to say. There's so many. It could just be stress.
1: It could just be the world, dude. this modern, fast-paced world.
0: I don't know what it is. I'll go seven. Seven. I almost said six, but it felt super I dirty. It.
1: I heard it. It felt low. We'll go seven. That's the most generous thing we've ever. I don't know who it is. That's a seven.
0: <laughs> I like this movie. Damn it! I think it's yard.
1: <laughs> Next up is screenplay, as written, of course, by Joel and Ethan Cohen.
0: There's a really fun line in this screenplay. I'm going to act it out just because I think it's the way to appropriately talk about this movie. Okay. But it goes something like this. Bold. It was bold.
1: Bold. That's yes, not in the movie.
0: He drinks white Russians. White Russians don't come in cans. They no. probably do now. They probably do now. I don't know.
1: Everything comes in cans now.
0: Uh, screenplay's fantastic. Apparently, there was not a lot of ad-libbing on set. That's, That's what I heard. Really close to word perfect, which is impressive.
1: Especially because of how many mans there are in this script. There's- Man is said either at 147 or 160 times, depending on which IMDb fact you believe, but that's nearly one and a half mans per minute.
0: The way that Jeff Bridges described the screenplay, because there were so many mans and so many fucks in this. So many fucks. That they had to land them in the right spot because he said that the way that the Coen brothers wrote this screenplay was like it was a symphony, like it was music, and he had to make the screenplay sing.
1: The word fuck is in there 280 or 292 times again, depending on which IMDb fact you believe which is almost two and a half times a minute.
0: I'm going to go with a nine.
1: Yeah. One of my favorite things from this script is actually in the made for TV edit. This is what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps.
0: I love it. I love it so much. So good. Nine. Style and tone. You managed to create a bit of a pulpy story in almost exclusively broad California daylight. Super impressive. I don't know
1: how you do that other than just make the big Lebowski.
0: I've seen a lot of Raymond Chandler type stories of a big film noir fan. So you look at something like a Dublin indemnity or the third man, or like the big sleep or something like that. Yeah. They're not enjoyable in the sense that you're you're not going to get ha-has out of anything (laughs) that happens on the screen. Yeah. Uh, Humphrey Bogart, if he dropped one fuck, I would lose it. It would be so good. Amazing. Never going to happen. Not not no. Especially not now. He's super dead.
1: Actually, it's way more likely that it'll happen now because of AI.
0: That's actually very, very fair. They managed to put in a ton of humor, which is super impressive for them constantly going down this rabbit hole. But I think the most impressive part about this movie is the dream sequences. Big time. A hundred percent agree. And Jeff Bridges with his giant eyes staring up just in amazement at <laughs> everything. It's so good.
1: And that second one, when he first comes out doing that dance and you get the shadow on it's so good.
0: That's like super Terry Gilliam to me. Oh, seeing absolutely. Seeing that imagery. And it's weird because I literally just watched The Fisher King last night, which has Jeff Bridges, a 1991 Jeff Bridges. And it's weird to think that seven years later, he's the dude, and you're like, that doesn't add up at all. <laughs> yeah.
1: And then 10 years after that, he's Obadiah Stane.
0: That blew my mind, that jump, because he went from 1991 The Fisher King like a young hotshot radio DJ, then to this, where it's kind of like a middle aged who knows what he does, even though in the original screenplay he was the Rubik's Cube <laughs> fortune heir. <laughs> yeah. And they, they're like, let's just <laughs> remove that. It's ridiculous. Why don't we Good just not talk about what he does? <laughs> but now he's like old man Obadiah Stane ten years later. It's amazing.
1: Yeah. Chameleon. He I really is. Apparently, in one of the dream sequences, the actresses who are playing the line dancers. Went to the makeup department to play a prank on Jeff Bridges. And so when he goes underneath them and he's looking up their skirts, each one has more fake pubic hair than the last one underneath their skirt.
0: That's beautiful, man. That's the way to do it. (laughs) I
1: love those kind of on-set antics.
0: Absolutely. Uh, 10. Style and tone 10. Has to be a 10. Love it. I think that this is actually one of the best style and tone scores we can give a Coen Brothers movie. I agree. I feel like they absolutely, well, they mostly nail it every single time out. What am I saying?
1: It's definitely a Coen Brothers movie. You have a sack of money that's a problem, a bunch of characters that are very well developed. And
0: you either have Steve Buscemi or Francis McDormand. Yeah.
1: And everything keeps ramping up until the eventual conclusion.
0: They're really good at what they do.
1: They really are. Speaking of which, director.
0: Yeah, Ted, again, I know what I said. It's a
1: ten. Next up is music. We have the score by Carter Burwell, but we have the actual soundtrack selection by T-Bone Burnett.
0: Now, I don't know if it's because I watched this a week ago or if it wasn't memorable, but I don't remember a lot of the soundtrack.
1: Oh, see, the score, I don't remember anything of, but the soundtrack, I mean, you have Dylan's The Man in Me. You have Kenny Rogers just dropped in. You have What's fun about the Eagles is that you, you have... Peaceful, easy feeling for like a second, and then he's like, oh, I fucking hate the Eagles, which is actually a great story. That's how they got Dead Flowers in the credits. The Stones' former manager, Alan Klein, wanted 150 dollars for that song. But when he saw a rough cut of the film, they got to the line where, he, where the dude says he hates the fucking Eagles, and he says, that's it, you can have it. God damn it,
0: that's beautiful.
1: <laughs> he waived the fee.
0: Wow. he said, you can
1: use the song. Um there were two covers of Viva Las Vegas in the movie but the it's the Spanish cover of Hotel California when the Jesus is dancing I,
0: I remember that it. one sure um what do you think of then
1: I always think of just dropped in to see what my what condition my condition was in when I think of this movie um I fucking love the soundtrack in this movie
0: give it a score I'm going to go with whatever you got 7 nailed it I'm sure
1: Feels low but I'm okay with it it's All right <laughs> Next up is Box Office. Uh, this movie had the unfortunate circumstance of coming out while Titanic and Goodwill Hunting were still in theaters.
0: Yeah, I hear that those are really good movies, and they both cleaned up hard.
1: Yeah, luckily they were in their 12th and 14th weeks, respectively. Yeah, so for Titanic, that didn't mean dick. It didn't mean a damn thing. It still made $17 million. Opening weekend, The Big Lebowski made $5.5 which put it sixth place for the weekend. On a budget of fifteen million dollars, it ended up grossing forty-seven million, which is a pretty decent turnaround. It's about that's 300, not
0: bad, not bad, three hundred
1: thirteen percent, which is a nine on our scale.
0: It makes sense. This thing has gotten cult status at this point, and that's probably even better yeah. than a movie blowing it out of the water to start,
1: especially with the replayability of these streaming services. I mean, once they start paying people, of course, of course, it's a nine for box office. And then final category is impact on the industry. The industry itself, I don't know.
0: I'm not sure because this movie kind of got a bit hounded when it came out. It's coming off the heels of the Oscar-winning Fargo. Right. And then they came out with this, and it's not the same. The tone is entirely different. Very different. Everything about it is totally different, which is a magic trick in itself from the Coen brothers. that They could do that. I don't know if this movie had as big of an impact on the industry. Than it just did on pop culture. Pop culture has a huge
1: impact. I mean, you have the Lebowski Bar in Reykjavik. You have the annual Lebowski Fest across multiple cities. It has its own religion, goddamn it!
0: Yeah, I know we're priests of it. I know.
1: We are both ordained dudist priests.
0: And you guys can come and be our achievers if you'd like, because that's right. what the Lebowski fans are called, is achievers.
1: <laughs> huge impact on pop culture, which I think naturally shows up within the industry at some point.
0: I'm going to go with a six, but wait, there's more, but wait, I'm going to bump it to a seven because very recently, I think it was about a month ago, John Goodman got his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame and Jeff Bridges was there to give a speech about John Goodman and Jeff Bridges broke out the cardigan from the big Lebowski and John Goodman legit started crying when it came out as he was going, dude, (laughs) because it was just that important of a film. Yeah goodman for bridges yep. it's the next step in their careers really john
1: goodman has repeatedly stated that this is his favorite movie that he's done
0: not the flintstones a little surprised at that we'll get there it's
1: very surprising <laughs> man i still don't know if you want to talk about the flintstones because you want to talk about the flintstones or as a through way to get to viva
0: rock vegas stay tuned you'll find out the hard <laughs> way <laughs> I'm a sick son of a bitch. That might be my boy. Who knows?
1: (laughs) So we're saying a seven.
0: We're saying a seven.
1: For an impact on the industry. I I like that. Sure. That's going to give
0: The Big Lebowski a total score of 88. That is dangerously close. That is respectable. It's not on the nose. Critically, on Rotten Tomatoes, this thing has an 80%. Audiencely, it's got a 93%. Oh, we were right in the middle. It is... Someone in the middle yes this movie fucks so hard it's so good I could yeah. watch this thing endlessly at this point now that I've officially seen it without <laughs> being on painkillers
1: and that was actually the entire basis of comedy centrals uh, lineup strategy in the mid 2000s was you can watch this movie anytime there you go it's kind of like
0: the Shawshank redemption
1: all they had to do was edit 200 fucks out of it
0: Brian fantastic pick thank you for letting me finally watch this thing in the proper context and, you know, just being able to watch it, really. Not having a shattered hand in painkillers. Perfect.
1: <laughs> Different experience. But since I sniped that one from you, I imagine that you had a, a task ahead of you to choose a movie for next week. So why don't you beer us a movie?
0: So next week, we're going to talk about a movie that I've wanted to talk about for a really, really, really long time. That's a lot of reallys. I'm not sure if it's a good movie, but it is a great movie. Oh, these are my favorites? <laughs> And we're going to be talking about two giants of actors that are playing roles that are so over the top in the best way possible. And also it's directed by Danny Vito, because we're talking about (gasps) 2002's Death to Smoochie. Wow. Okay. Yes. Another Comedy Central favorite from back in the day.
1: Definitely. I'm not sure that I've ever actually seen the entirety of this movie in one sitting.
0: I'm not sure anyone has. (laughs)
1: <laughs> everybody's seen every part of this movie but never sequentially
0: but you got Robin Williams, got Edward Norton you got Catherine Keener, Danny DeVito, oh. John Stewart next week, 2002's Death to Smoochie
1: very excited, until then thank you guys for listening, be sure to rate, review, subscribe send us your movie suggestions for this month's listener pick our patrons always get double the picks so join us on Patreon this month for whatever we're talking about, we'll figure that out shortly I'm sure, email us your picks Questions or comments to movie pod at gmail.com. And follow us on social media at BeRMemoviePod on Twitter and at BRM movie everywhere else, like Instagram, Facebook, etc. Facebook especially because that's where we put up our posts asking for your questions and comments every week.
0: And we got one. Dalton Suter wrote and he said, legit one of my favorites of all time. My question is this. Did Donnie really need to shut the fuck up so much?
1: Abso fucking lootly.
0: I couldn't agree more. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for hanging out with us. Brian, you got anything else? That's it for me. Fantastic. We'll see everybody next week for Death to Smoochie. See you then.